Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception, but first, let's say a thank you to our sponsor. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is brought to you by International Coffee Farms. Based in Boquete, Panama, International Coffee Farms owns and operates 10 specialty coffee farms. These farms are subdivided into half-acre parcels, many of which are available to people interested in owning offshore real estate. These can be purchased for as little as $18,000. Your land will be managed on your behalf and will produce cash flow in perpetuity. I've got to know the principles of International Coffee Farms over the last several years, and they run a quality operation. Have a listen to episode 121 with CEO and founder, Mr. David Sewell, where we talk about investing in coffee farmland as a safe and diversified offshore investment. To find out more, visit internationalcoffeefarms.com. That's internationalcoffeefarms.com. We are back, and this is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today, we have a notable person indeed, in fact, a notable couple, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, David and Gina Fabry. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Victor. Well, it's great to have you here. We've got to know each other over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I've been very intrigued watching what you've been working on. It's not your typical asset class. You're investing in campgrounds. Tell us a little bit about that. How did you get into that? That's, that's right, Victor. Uh, and it's funny because a lot of people ask us that question. You know, how did we stumble into it when, uh, in fact, we were pretty intentional about it? Um, you know, going back to 2008, it's a funny story. I asked Dave, if you could do anything, what would you do? And he said, well, it would have something to do with fishing or camping. At which point I turned on my heels, rolled my eyes and walked out of the room. So yeah, in 2010, I uh, uh, went to a campground buyers workshop to, to understand what the asset class was about and learned um, you know, how, how they can be operated, what type of people own them and, and how we could get involved in that, in that area. We took a little bit of a journey after that to explore what what asset classes we really, or what, what real estate we really wanted to invest in. So we looked at self-storage, which you know was, was a really hot sector at the time. Uh, we looked at multifamily, single family, and nothing really excited us. And you know certainly emotional reasons are not always the best reasons, or they don't always translate into uh, uh, financial dollars and cents. But we found over the years that... Um, that our passion for camping and RVing has translated into a pretty good investment for us. That's very, very interesting. So when you're investing in campgrounds, I mean, many campgrounds, they tend to be owner operated. And, you know, you often see a campground that has been, you know, in the same family for 20, 30 years. It's just there. It's just operating. It has its own loyal clientele. And it's not necessarily next to a, a main attraction. Like, for example, if you're next to Niagara Falls or something like that, you have a regular traffic. You don't necessarily need to do a ton of marketing because you've got traffic flow. How have you decided what particular properties fit your investment criteria? So one, one thing that I learned from Ken McElroy about how to add value or to drive value for, uh, for an asset, in, in his case, uh, apartment buildings, um, he talked about adding you know, something simple like a, like a washing machine and increasing the, uh, the rental rate by $25 a month. And over the course of several months, you've, you've paid off that, that washing machine and now you've got that stream of income coming in for the life of that, uh, of that washing machine and also driving the value of, of the apartment complex by a multiple of the, of the cap rate. So we've kind of had that model in our mind looking for campgrounds that are, as you say, family owned for a number of generations that 
are run as more of a hobby than as a serious business. Um, that's not to say that all family-owned campgrounds are not being run as a, ser- as a serious business, but there are certainly pockets out there that you know people will buy a campground thinking that they're going to spend their retirement days camping on the campground that they own. And while they can do that, that doesn't uh, generate a whole lot of revenue. It's more like a hobby than a real business. And, you know, on the other hand, you know, some, some will buy it thinking that, uh, you know, it's a bit of a piggy bank and we've seen those cases as well. So we look for those campgrounds that have something that we can add from our business experience that we can drive value, that we can improve the performance and uh, improve the experience for the guests. Um, and I'd like to just add in that we've, we've kind of assembled a, a team of people to use their talents and skill set to improve the grounds themselves and operations. Dave himself has been managing a company for 16 years, as well as our other team members who have been instrumental in big organizations with training, with operation manuals, as well as development of properties. One of the things that I've noticed when you deal with an owner-operated business, many times they don't value their time in the financial pro forma. In fact, if you actually factored in owner's time at a reasonable hourly rate, whatever profit the business might generate often goes negative. So if you were to take the owner out and replace them with an employee, then that additional expense makes the the business insolvent. How do you overcome that when you're acquiring an owner-operated asset? That's exactly the point, Victor, that we, we see what uh, what they have in payroll. We see who they've got uh, uh, running the campground and managing the day-to-day. And, you know, because we're not doing that personally, we, we oversee the, the management of it. And frankly, we don't want to and, and we don't have the time to uh, manage the day-to-day on the campground. So we put the team in place and we factor in that additional cost for a qualified manager that can oversee the day-to-day and, and, and manage the employees and the operations. You know, it's one of the key additions to the performa that we add so that we can you know, evaluate the financial performance of the asset properly. Are there particular geographic areas that you're targeting? We're partial to the, uh, to the Mountain West. And at this time, there's, there's enough opportunity out there for us that uh, we don't need to necessarily look into California. Um, we're a little hesitant for the, uh, for the business environment there, but uh, um, we're looking Utah, Montana, Idaho, Washington, all of the, all of the Mountain Wyoming. West states. That gives us the opportunity to look for our preferred property profile, which is um, not something where the the campground itself is the attraction, but the surrounding areas of the attractions. We look for national parks or state parks, other types of uh, things where we can serve as a base camp for our guests to come. They'll stay, they'll go out and see the sites, they'll come back and they'll have a campfire and and spend time with family and and really build those, uh, uh, those authentic relationships if you were to characterize your ideal client, is it someone coming with a tent trailer? Or is it someone coming with a, you know, a 30,000 pound RV or someone coming with a fifth wheel? Do you cater to a very specific target client or do you just take anybody? That's a good question. The campgrounds that we acquire have tent sites. They have cabins. They have RV sites. Definitely is somebody who's going to spend more than somebody who's going to just stay at a state park. They're going to have higher expectations, which we strive to exceed those expectations, delivering service on our campgrounds. One of the points that, uh, that, that we stress with our, with our team is that um, when a guest comes to our campground, our restrooms and showers need to be on a very high level. Um, that's one of, the, one of the expectations. I would venture to say that uh, our facilities are cleaner than a lot of hotels I've stayed in. 
We, we actually uh, talk about our campground as, as kind of a dirt hotel. So the guests will bring their own room in the, in the form of an RV or a fifth wheel or a travel trailer. They'll pull up and they'll hook up to our facilities. Um, they spend a, a couple of days, maybe a week, and then they move on and we rake the gravel and greet the next guest. But as Gina pointed out, the mix of product that we have from tent sites to cabins to pull through or RV uh, back in sites, that allows our a greater mix of guests to be able to come and stay at, at our campgrounds. That's also allowed us from a, from a business standpoint to make sure that, uh, that we can provide a different range of product to kind of smooth out the, the, the occupancy. Oftentimes when you're dealing with small business people, they tend to focus on the technical side of the operations. It doesn't matter what the business is, and they're not necessarily experts at marketing, let alone digital marketing. And today I would argue that digital marketing is the only marketing that matters, at least on a large scale for a product like yours. Uh, how have you attacked that? Have you invested in digital marketing? Are you using brand relationships? How, how are you doing that? We partner with the KOA franchise. Uh, um, that's, that's definitely the uh, preferred brand. Uh, that's not to say in the future that, that we might not look at, a, at an unbranded campground, but they bring a lot to the table. Um, they have a, an enormous reach. They've got more than 500 campgrounds in the U.S. and Canada, and they're internationally known. So we get about 40% of our guests come from uh, international locations. Their expertise in that area, their, their, their focus and their targeting in the, in, in the marketing areas is phenomenal and it, uh, and it serves as well. I'm just going to add, I think um, an interesting point that a lot of people miss is right now we have the older baby boomers who are retiring and doing the RV thing, which is, but we also have the millennial generation that is really craving authentic experiences and getting out in nature. We have what I would say an opportune time of the two largest segments of population, both showing extreme interest in camping. I think that's absolutely true. If you look at RV sales uh, nationwide, they're up. RV sales are way up in multiple different segments. You know, you've got people as well who are touring the country, maybe uh, often traveling in groups. You have motorcycle fanatics who uh, like to travel and tour the country that way. It's a wonderful way to tour the country. They're traveling a lot lighter than folks with the fifth wheel, but they're looking for a campground as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and we do get a lot of a uh, lot of motorcyclers uh, for sure. They'll come in with a small tent on the cargo hold on a uh, on a motorcycle. So from a from an investor standpoint, uh, why don't you walk me through the numbers? What is what does that look like for an investor who's looking to participate in this segment? So when we go to acquire a uh, an RV park or campground, we look for about a 15% cash on cash return out of the box for us. That's not always achievable, but in in a lot of cases it is. Many campgrounds can command, if you're operating it yourself, uh, can command a, a, about a 25% cash-on-cash return with a 75% loan-to-value financing. Um, we go a little bit more conservative with that from our own nature. The, the way that then we drive performance is to drive uh, uh, additional revenue. We, we add certainly that additional layer of management cost in there, but that helps to drive the, uh, the performance of reducing costs in other areas. And so we look to, uh, to increase that bottom line up past the 25% cash on cash. But that's kind of market driven. Of course, for somebody to invest, you know, that's always done by prospectus. You're not out there soliciting. So you're, you're doing no. that in compliance with all the securities rules, I'm sure. If you look at this particular asset class, as opposed to other, I'll say similar asset classes, whether it's RV parks for workforce housing or mobile home parks, how would you compare this particular style of investment to say a mobile home park? Well, certainly more labor intensive. 
you know, we're, we're talking about a hospitality type investment. Compared to, to mobile home parks, uh, RV parks and campgrounds have a, uh, have a higher management component to it. Um, there's a lot more employees. We're, we're catering to the guests. We're having to deal with them, check them in, check them out, especially in the cabins, changing linens and, uh, and refreshing the, uh, the services and the, and the supplies in there. Campgrounds are typically far enough away from municipal services that you're dealing with, captive municipal water supply, your own sewage treatment plants, all of that sort of thing. When you acquire a park, and maybe in some cases the infrastructure is a little bit older, are you finding that you're having to upgrade a lot of that infrastructure in order to make it comply with, let's say, the the latest and greatest way of doing things? So far not. Uh, We've been fortunate property we've acquired the, the when we when we try to add or to expand ex, yeah expand the expand the campground um, we run into the situation where the septic system is is sized specifically for a uh, for a certain number of sites for a certain mix of sites so if we were to try to convert a an RV site to a cabin site or you know that kind of thing it requires some additional study and, and potentially some additional expansion of the infrastructure we did have to add some additional 50 amp service campground built 20 years ago wasn't expecting the ultra large RVs that are on the road today, and so a lot of those are you know they've got two air conditionings in them, they've got additional components that are driven by the power requirements. So we've had to convert some of the 30 amp sites to 50 amp sites and that sort of thing. What what about internet service? And you know when people travel, that can often be a differentiator. That can be a draw. Maybe sometimes even more important than the swimming pool. What's been your experience with uh, client demand for that? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, that was definitely one of our biggest hurdles to overcome. And I would say our first three seasons, we were trying to tweak that. We finally did make a purchase or invest in a system before last season started. And uh, it's been amazing the reports back. Yeah, it's, it's, made, it's made all the difference. It's one thing to deliver Wi-Fi within an enclosed building. It's another to try to deliver Wi-Fi outside, around trees, uh, through you know metal boxes of RVs that are that are parked in in the sites. Hilly terrain. Hilly terrain. Yeah, we struggled with that for the first few seasons. Guest expectations are driven by typical hospitality environment. They go to a hotel. They've got you know unlimited Wi-Fi for streaming videos and, and doing all their email, trying to set the expectation for the guests that, hey, we can't deliver that is a little bit more challenging. So we, we, we bit the bullet uh, uh, two seasons ago and, uh, and spent a ton of money on the latest equipment. And it's, uh, it's really driven a, driven a higher satisfaction for our guests. And we see it in the, uh, in the, in the reviews that, uh, that we get. And it's, it's also a, 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 we also, with the new system, have the ability to um, give them an upgraded, um, like you can find in, in hotels where you can pay a little bit more for, for an upgraded, higher speed, higher bandwidth. Um, and that drives a little bit of revenue to offset the cost that we've, uh, that we've put into it. Very, very interesting. If, uh, if folks want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Sure, Victor. They can uh, go to our website. It's uh, www.campfireproperties.com. Or they can send me an email directly at uh, Dave at campfireproperties.com. Wonderful. Well, uh, always great to catch up with you. I'm looking forward to meeting you again at the next event. We get to see each other every couple of months. Uh, For the listeners, if you're interested in the campground asset class, definitely feel free to reach out and uh, connect with Dave at dave at campfireproperties.com. And in the meantime, 
Have a spectacular day. Have a great rest of your weekend. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.